Welcome to Coog's Talk Stock from WSU Extension, a science-based podcast about animal agriculture for those that raise food animals, those that are interested in learning how, and those that want to learn more about where their food comes from. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Coog's Talk Stock. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Don Llewellyn, Livestock Extension Specialist for Washington State University Extension on the main campus in Pullman. Welcome back to Coog's Talk Stock. Today is our great privilege to have a conversation with, with Don McMorrin, County Director and WSU Agricultural and Natural Resources Extension Educator for Skagit County Extension. I also want to welcome Kristen Hinton Van Valkenburg, Agribility Coordinator, also working out of the Skagit County Extension Office. Don and Kristen, it is great to have you here with us today. Thanks, Don. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Our topics today focus on two important programs you're working on, suicide prevention and agribility. So, so Don, let's start with you. Please tell us a, a bit about your background and how you got into extension work. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so I grew up on a farm right here in Skagit County. I'm the fourth generation on that farm. And about nine years of age, uh, my father took me to a training at WSU Northwest Rec in Mount Vernon. And at that training, I had the pleasure of meeting my predecessor, Devon Havens. And Devon gave this amazing talk about cover crops. And I thought, man, what what a cool job she has. She gets paid to help farmers. So I kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And as I was getting my education, I made sure that I checked all the minimum qualifications to, to at least apply for an extension position. And I got really lucky and beat out a whole host of candidates. And here I am. Well, that, that's awesome, Don. And Kristen, would you like to share your background with us as well? You bet. Thanks for having us, Don. Really appreciate it. Uh, I've lived here in Skagit County my whole life. Uh, came uh, from a, I'm only a second generation uh, operation, uh, cattle and calves and hay here on the west side. And I have a little bit different path. Uh, my degree from WSU, Go Cougs, is uh, in agriculture education. And those those are pretty much my passions, anything to do with agriculture and or education um, as they marry together quite well. And extension work is just a really good fit with that. Um, and I've always been connected to the education or excuse me, to the extension work uh, through my involvement in 4-H ever since I've been little. So I've always known what's going on up here, uh, the great work they do. And when there was an opportunity to apply for a position here, I jumped at the opportunity. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kristen. Let's start with you and uh, our discussion of, of agribility. So can you share with our listeners what agribility is and, and how did you get involved with this program? Absolutely. Agribility is a USDA funded program that we actually applied for here in Washington state. So we're one of only 22 states that actually offer an agribility program. And agribility basically in a nutshell 
uh, improves the quality of life for farmers, ranchers, and farm workers who are working with any sort of limitation, uh, whether that's a disability, an injury, and or aging, uh, so that they, as well as their families, can continue to successfully do um, some sort of operation uh, within especially rural communities. And how I got involved in the program, uh, if I was to be honest, was I literally called Dawn. Uh, I was in between uh, a job and looking for uh, something up my alley when it came to agriculture and education and said, have you got anything that uh, that might interest me? And he said, you know, we just got this grant, uh, told me a little bit about agribility. And I said, wow, that sounds fascinating. And did a little research on my end and applied and got the privilege of uh, getting the coordinator position this last year. Well, wonderful. We're glad to have you with WSU Extension as a coordinator for this important program. So, What's the hardest thing about being involved with this community of people that you work with? So within the agricultural community, and we know this, they're the they're the salt of the earth. Uh, they are the most incredible people. Uh, they have a love of the land like no other. And with that also comes that perseverance, that resiliency of if there's a job to be done, they get it done. And, and whether they are paddling any sort of injury, uh, disability, uh, whether they're aging, they just take that in stride and they keep pushing forward. Um, so I think the hardest thing has been to really uh, show them that there might be uh, an easier, more efficient, more pain-free way of doing what they love to do, um, but at the same time, improving their quality of life. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and so until you really uh, understand what's available out there for you uh, and your eyes are kind of open to the possibilities, um, it is, it, it's, it's, that's the hardest part is, is just um, letting them know that this exists and how it could possibly help them and actually showing them uh, how, how it could. And when I say it, meaning a variety of different tools uh, that could possibly make their life a whole lot easier versus harder. So I imagine you're seeing quite a few rewards with this work. Um, can you share some of those with us? You bet. Uh, that is probably the best part of the job uh, is is the um, just the the smile on someone's face or the twinkle in their eye when you are able to. Uh, just give them some sort of a consultation or look for a product that may help them, some sort of assistive technology um, that could really ease their pain, uh, the, the way they work. Um, and, and it could be something very simple to something um, very complex and technical. So I think the, the biggest reward for that is just uh, knowing that you're helping somebody uh, that is so passionate about what they're doing and, and you're able to see them do that easier or more efficiently or pain-free, uh, that, that is just huge. Yeah, I, I, can, I can certainly imagine that people like after an injury or something like that, that think, oh no, I may not be able to farm or may not be able to perform the tasks that they've been used to doing. And then mm -hmm. when, when they 
get into a program like this and find out, oh yeah, I can, I can uh, be back doing the things that I, I love and, jo- and enjoy doing. So, so that's certainly got to be rewarding for all of everybody involved. So how, how many mm-hmm. people are you uh, currently working with in your program? Well, that, that's a loaded question in the sense that I got hired uh, last February and then, bam, the pandemic hit. So here we are trying to launch this incredible program. Um, and as we all know, when you can show the program, uh, it's um, far more beneficial, I think, than when you just speak about it. Uh, but we were launched like everybody else into this very virtual world. So we quickly, because we have an incredible staff, uh, were able to switch gears and do quite a bit of promotion online. Uh, and through that work, uh, we have been able to really build those relationships. So this last year has been a, a really good relationship building uh, year with all sorts of different groups within communities and counties. And now finally starting to see the benefits of that as we move into the second year uh, and and able to help more people as they are starting to you know hear about us, which is fantastic. So currently uh, working with really only about five uh, folks uh, that we have um, active uh, work with. And that's a variety of, actually maybe six, uh, a variety of skill sets there from um, someone who is uh, a paraplegic uh, to someone who is just aging and having a really hard time with his eyesight. So the beauty of agribility is it's there to help uh, anyone uh, within agriculture that is battling any sort of uh, limitations. So it's it's very diverse in the the people that we can help. Awesome. So you're located in Skagit County, but is this available in all the counties of Washington or or how does that work? Great question. It is a statewide program. So the whole state of Washington uh, is available to receive um, assistance from us. Uh, but I am housed here in a Skagit County Extension uh, because Don and his team put forth uh, the incredible effort to secure the uh, USDA grant. Okay. So um, here just a few minutes ago, you mentioned assistive technology. Can you, can you tell us what that is and, uh, and uh, maybe discuss that a little bit? You bet. Great question. Uh, assistive technology, really, when you boil it down into a very nutshell uh, concept, it is just simply practical solutions. Uh, the official definition is any item, piece of equipment, any product, um, whether it's acquired commercially or off the shelf or somebody modified it or customized it uh, in some fashion to basically um, improve the capabilities uh, for somebody battling limitation. So once again, a, a very practical solution. So it can it can go anywhere from, let's say, putting a tennis ball on a pencil uh, to help somebody who's has some strength uh, issues within their hand to be able to hold a pencil. So now instead of holding the pencil, they're holding more of the tennis ball. Um, so they have a, a much larger capacity to grip versus that tiny pencil. So something very practical, um, very what we call low tech to something extremely high tech. Uh, we are 
looking into and we have a demonstration next week with a client on a pair of glasses that has a tiny little computer attached to the side um, that can actually read for him what whatever he is looking at um, can actually audibly uh, tell him what he's what he's see or what he's seeing on through the glasses. Uh, so it can be very high tech to very low tech, and 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 that's the beauty of assistive technology. And again, you know, y- you don't know what you don't know. And I learned something from one of our amazing partners this this last year, very early on. You know, anytime you just type in your search bar on the internet, you know, the word adaptive. It is amazing how many pieces of assistive technology exist out there um, by simply tapping the word adaptive before, um, let's say, adaptive gardening tools, for example. Uh, the amount of products that actually exists out there to help folks, um, in this case, garden uh, with, with ease. And uh, it's just a fascinating and huge uh, uh plethora of technology that is available out there. And it sounds like as time goes on, this is going to be a huge industry with lots of opportunities for people to uh, develop these technologies to help other people out uh, that have these issues. So um, this is kind of a follow-up to what we were talking about before, but can you give a, maybe an example or two of, of some of these assistive technologies uh, how they have impacted a farm worker's life. You, you bet. So just, a, and I'll, I'll kind of give a, a few examples of pretty low and versus some pretty high technology. Uh, we have a uh, uh, another paraplegic uh, farmer we've had the privilege of, of just learning from who was able to work with a mechanic and actually build quite a few customized pieces onto her tractor so that she can get on and off. So she can literally from her wheelchair um, be able to uh, get herself into her tractor. And and it's kind of hard to explain, but uh, through a lot of um, moving parts and pieces and extra handles, uh, they were able to make this just phenomenal setup for her as well as we were able to uh, assist with um, an actual uh, hydraulic lift that could, that, that a person, a paraplegic could actually strap themselves in using a um, sort of a, a cloth seat uh, that would actually hydraulically lift them up into their tractor. Uh, then it folds back out of the way, you know, with safety obviously in mind. They can go about their tasks and then obviously get themselves with that same lift uh, back out of the tractor. So it's just it's just amazing what's out there, um, you know. But the some of the neatest things I have seen are very low tech to like adding that extra step on a tractor uh, to get in. You know, the the standard tractor uh, step is about twelve inches off the ground, um, but that you know as you 
are battling some maybe some uh, mobility issues or aging, you know, that that's kind of a big step there. So just something very, very basic, you know, welding an additional uh, step or additional handle onto a piece of equipment. Um, the These glasses that I talked about earlier were just absolutely fascinating to me that uh, that technology exists. Um, one of the things I find awesome uh, w- with me personally, and and that's been kind of the fun part of, of this job, Don, is uh, we have a lending library also here at Skagit County Extension and one in Ferry County at the Extension office there where folks can go try stuff. So it's kind of like a glorified show and tell with a library checkout system. So you can actually take stuff, uh, an, uh, an item home and try it and see if it, uh, if it's going to work for you and then, uh, be able to say, gosh, that was great. You know, I'd like to purchase that or no, that didn't work for me. And one of the things we have here is these, they're technically weightlifter hooks, uh, that you are able to strap to your wrists and provide you basically protection for your hand uh, so you can carry five-gallon buckets and evenly distribute the weight um, so that it is it is not a, a killer for your hands uh, to, let's say, carry water buckets or maybe you're harvesting cucumbers or, you know, you're carrying that heavy load. And, you know, that's just here again, very simple, but it's amazing how something so simple just makes work so much easier. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, so uh, just a, a shift gears on the questions here just a little bit. Now, it's my understanding that you are under USDA grant funding for your agribility program now. And so if that funding doesn't go on forever, uh, what do you expect the impact will be? And 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 I'm sure that as wonderful as this program is, you want to continue is that in the plan? I, I think I'm going to refer to Don on that question uh, because he has been the, um, you know, the driving force behind the funding and the vision uh, for this this program. Sure. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, yeah, Don. You know, ultimately, we would we'd love to be funded for a longer duration. Um, there are states like Tennessee that had had the agribility program for 20 years. And so uh, we're hoping that we can continue to get funding as long as possible. Uh, if for some reason we weren't funded in the next segment, uh, we would continue to work with our, our partners and try to offer services as much as possible with the, the limited funding that we could scrounge around locally. Um, but you know, for me, it's just been really rewarding because, as I mentioned, I grew up on a diversified potato farm here in Skagit County, and we had a worker uh, that worked for us that didn't have the use of his legs, and his name was Billy. And uh, at a very young age, I I was very drawn to agriculture. Um, you know, my heroes were were the farmers of Skagit County and not necessarily the football players and rock stars that a lot of kids had at that age. But my mother used to tell the story of me army crawling around my room. And when she asked me what I was doing, I, I told her that I was trying to be like Billy, um, because in my mind, Billy was a real hero. Uh, he never let his disability slow him down. 
And you know, this is back in the 70s and 80s, and we were actually using kind of rudimentary rudimentary uh, assistive technology. So uh, we would would have Billy use uh, a hydrostatic tractor um, instead of of one with a clutch. Uh, we would modify our our cars and our pickup trucks and put in rudimentary hand controls so that Billy could drive just like everyone else. So. Um, that experience along with some others really, in my opinion, set me up for this work. And, you know, it's my goal to be able to continue it as long as possible into the future. Well, we sure look forward to seeing how AgriBility uh, continues into the future because it, it sounds like you all are, are doing some really, really outstanding work with people that uh, I'm sure really appreciate it. So let's shift uh, gears now and let's talk to you, Don, some more about uh, your program that you're spearheading. And this is the Suicide Prevention Program. So how did you get involved in farm stress and uh, suicide prevention? Yeah, it's always amazing to me how my childhood really set me up for success within Extension uh, unfortunately, you know, it's kind of a sad story in that my, when I was a sophomore in, in college, uh, my dad's hired man took his own life and he was one of those really inspirational figures in my life. And I had no idea at the time what his decision would mean for me and how it would impact my life and my program moving forward. So I was hired at Extension in 2006, and uh, I was always aware of suicides that were happening within our community, but it really wasn't until 2016 and, and further on until 2019, we had this segment, uh, three years, three agricultural suicides within my county. And the third one was a gentleman that I'd worked with when I worked at Skagit Conservation District. And he was, you know, the stereotypical farmer, if, if you may. Um, you know, he, he, he demanded that things were done to a very high standard. He kept you accountable. Um, and, and he made an, an impact on my life. And when he decided to take his own life, uh, that, that was kind of that, that turning point within our programming because he had a niece. The niece has children that, are really close with my children. And I found myself having this conversation with this, this nine-year-old about how her, her uncle, great uncle, um, left this earth. And, uh, I came into the office the next day and I sat down with my staff and I said, that's it. I've had it. I don't ever want to see another ag suicide in my County. And, and would you, would you join with me in this effort? And as Kristen mentioned, we have an amazing staff here. And of course, they all agreed that this should be a high priority for Skagit County. At the same time, the state legislature knew that there was an issue with agricultural suicides. So they had put forth a task force. The task force had made some decisions and just decided to give some funding to the Washington State Department of Health. And the Washington State Department of Health has fabulous individuals, unfortunately, not a whole lot of expertise in agriculture. And so as we were trying to enter this field, learning about Department of Health and the task force, we were kind of sitting on the sidelines. And when 
the groups got together and they were trying to figure out who would do the outreach for agricultural suicide. Uh, for all intents and purposes, we were over on the sidelines, waving our hands, jumping up and down, saying, uh, me, 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 uh, give us a shot. We This is something that's really important to us. We have the expertise in agriculture and we want to get involved. And it didn't take long for the Department of Health to to jump in to give us a little bit of seed funding to start the first ever farm stress suicide prevention in Washington State located here in Skagit County. And that was great. We were able to do some fabulous outreach. We incorporated it into all of our trainings that take place in Skagit County. And knock on wood, we had an impact. We saw agricultural suicide rates go down because of our good work, because of our social media outreach, because of our website and what have you. But it still kind of felt empty because we were reading in the paper. We were talking to other individuals that are also having problems in their communities. And so that's when we decided to start expanding our reach. So uh, we've since added other extension professionals within the state, including Ferry County. We have folks in Stevens County. Uh, we have folks in down in Skamania County, um, as well as where's, where's the other county I'm missing? Um, nonetheless, uh, we've expanded the reach and think things are going really well there. Uh, also, we started applying for USDA grants. And, uh, and we're successful in obtaining some funds to start programming in both Washington and Oregon. Once again, that, that felt good, but we're reading about agricultural suicides that were taking place in, in other locations. And so, uh, we decided to move forward with the larger Western region far sand grant, farmer ranch stress assistance network. And uh, we're successful in obtaining funds to outreach to 13 states and four territories in the West. So kind of through that whole process, you know, having, having this idea, solidifying our, our, our process, and then expanding it um, to, to a geographic location that we could really feel good about and, and put our stake in the ground. Well, I'll tell you, that is a powerful story of how you got into an interest in this area. And, uh, you know, you all just need to be commended on, on what you're doing. We can sure see that you all have a big heart and uh, really care about the people of your county and, and also of the state to bring this programming forth. Thanks, Don. And also, I remember the, the other counties that I left off and Aaron Esser would uh strangle me if I didn't mention Lincoln and Adams counties. Uh, he's been instrumental in getting some really good signage up there. So thanks, Aaron. Very good. We'll look forward to hearing more as time goes on about uh, what's going on in the counties. But can you just share with us, um, I think you touched on this a little bit, just some of the challenges and the rewards of this kind of programming? Definitely. The, the challenges are... Number one, stigma amongst agricultural producers. You know, I'm a farm kid and you're taught very young that uh, you don't, you don't share your emotions. You internalize them. You don't talk about them. 
And so that's been very difficult. And I'd say from the educational standpoint, um, the hardest part is you never know the people that you save. You only know the people that you lose. And so having some producers come out of the woodwork and say, Hey, Don, you know, that, that talk that you gave is, is very powerful. Thank you for doing it. Um, I've even had a few producers say that, that they had a problem themselves, but usually the conversation stems around that talk that you gave is really going to help my neighbor. And, uh, I, I think that's really hard for a faculty member to process, um, because, you know, you want to be helping the individual, you know, that the individuals in your county, at least from my perspective, I grew up here, I idolize them, I, I know the problems that they have. Um, and so sometimes stepping aside and realizing that, you know, not everybody wants to talk about their problems. But on the other hand, we, we really want them to when they get in a difficult position, and we want them making the correct decisions. It's in the news a lot, you know, that farmers and ranchers are really in a high risk group, if you can call it that, I guess, for suicide compared with other occupations. And so, you know, there's been studies like from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and so forth that bear this out, that farmers and ranchers have a higher incidence of suicide. And so can you explain the factors that you think go into that? What is it about farming and ranching that just makes it hard on people from a stress standpoint. Yeah, gladly. And, you know, I, I can't speak to everyone's stress, but I can tell you the stress in my own family. Uh, you know, you think about commodity pricing, uh, that's a pretty tough pill to swallow in that somebody else is setting the price for the product that, that you are producing and you have no say over it. It just, randomly happens in some stock exchange thousands of miles from your location. Uh, that's a difficult. And I think about um, the payment structure within agriculture. You know, most people don't have any idea that farmers sometimes don't get paid in, in, until a year after they've sent their product off to market. Um, so that that's tough. And I think the generational pressure is really tough. I know within my own family, I'm often told about all these trials and tribulations that my ancestors went through to go from the old world to the new world. And then, um, you know, the many states and the many difficulties and the people that lost their lives in the process to get to this amazing location in Skagit County and how they had to mortgaged the farm five times and somehow managed to squeak through and, uh, and build things up. And you are, you're the person that's going to take this over and by God, you better not lose it. And I think agriculture has really changed over those generations. Uh, it wasn't that long ago where you could, you know, look at my, my grandpa, Great grandparents had six boys. There were six boys on a 40 acre dairy farm in Skagit County. And I just challenge anybody um, to raise two kids on 40 acres these days with commodity pricing. It's just the whole marketplace has changed. Um, you know, 
it's it's get big or get out and uh and there's just not the sense of community that once was uh for example i used to host uh these young farmer breakfasts where i would get those individuals that are in that 18 to 35 year age bracket together and we'd have breakfast and I was always amazed at how neighboring farms didn't know, they didn't know the neighbors. Um, and, you know, you try to dig down on that. How, how come you guys have never met? Oh, well, I don't know. Just, I was busy or, um, or, you know, well, I heard that his parents or grandparents did this and my folks told me not to, to get over there ever. And it's just amazing the stories you hear in agriculture. But, you know, there was a time when, when in agriculture, it was a real priority to help out the neighbors. And unfortunately, we've just gotten to a, a size and scope that where we don't do that as much as we used to. So having those interactions, um, being able to talk about things, uh, I think it all has it all has implications. Yeah, I can I can sure agree how things have changed over my lifetime about the sizes of the farms getting bigger and the number of farmers getting less and and all of the things that go along with that. Um, so, what are some signs to be aware of that might indicate uh, an individual's in distress? Can you kind of share some things about that so that you know family members might want to see those warning signs. Definitely. And unfortunately, you can't see it, but we do have these little first aid kits that have band-aids and creams and what have you, along with a card that says the, uh, the signs to be looking for for agricultural suicide. And we have about 6,000 of these little red first aid kits that would be great in your listener's toolbox or in the glove compartment of their, their farm truck. Um, so if any of your listeners are interested, please have them contact their local extension agent, and we'd be happy to send as many of those out to ho- whoever is interested in English or Spanish. Um, and the more, the merrier. So um, just like to extend that opportunity. But on the card, it says there's five things to be looking for. Number one is change in routine. Number two, decline in care of farm and or livestock. Number three is a change in mood. If the farmer is anxious, agitated, or angry. Uh, Number four is new or increased financial pressures. Number five is loss of interest in hobbies or activities. And the one that didn't make the card that uh, I think if we had a reprint, uh, we would put... Uh, when farmers start giving prized possessions away, that's another big one to, to look for. I can sure understand that. So are there other resources that are available that can help save a life? Definitely. So we're very fortunate through this grant to partner with an organization called Farm Aid. And many of your listeners might know of them through the concerts that Willie Nelson and other artists have had. And uh, they have a resource line. So if your listeners, you know, need to get connected up with a CPA, an attorney or USDA programming, that's what the line is set up for. But they're also looking for signs of crisis and are just 
interested in talking with farmers. So that number is 1-800-FARM-AID, F-A-R-M-A-I-D. Once again, that number is 1-800-FARM-AID, which is 327-6243. Also got to give out the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. Awesome. And uh, and we'll talk here more towards the end of our episode today about uh, getting those resources and that information out to the listeners as well. So as this uh, program on suicide prevention and farm stress goes forward, how do you think uh, the program will look as we go the, down the road the next two or three years? Are you planning on expanding or taking additional approaches or, or how is that going to work? Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. You know, I've never said that I am the farm stress suicide prevention expert for the, the Western region, but uh, I do say that I, I'm a farm kid. I've experienced the pain of suicide in my life and I want to help. And that's a desire that's very strong. And so kind of like agribility, it's something that I want to make sure that we're continuing to get that good information out to the folks in the Western region. As far as expansion, you know, I think we've kind of, we've met our limits um, as far as, as geographical outreach, uh, 13 states and four territories, uh, it's it's big enough now where I feel like I can't cover it all. So I want to make sure that we're doing the very best for our producers across the West. And uh, I, I'd like to stay at this geographic profile, uh, definitely outreaching specifically to Washington State. So really like the opportunity to have the state-specific information that we can tailor to our producers here in Washington but then also we can take that information and we can spread it around the Western United States and hopefully help a good number of producers there. Well, I hope so too. Um, Don and Kristen, as we wrap up here today, you know, this has been an awesome discussion surrounding some really difficult topics and, uh, and these really hit home for our farm families and, and society, uh, in a broader sense as well. And so I, I really congratulate you both for taking on this really important work. And uh, and I also want to thank you so much for coming on the Coog's Talk Stock today and visiting with us about it. So as we wrap up here, we'll post your contact information in the show notes. So if our audience has questions and want to contact you, they can do so. And uh, and Don and Kristen, if you have any resources you would like to share with our listeners, and I think you mentioned some of those on the various topics that we discussed, uh, we will post those too. So until next time, this is Dr. Don Llewellyn for Coog's Talk Stock. Thank you for listening to the Coog's Talk Stock podcast brought to you by Washington State University Extension. You can review rate and subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Coog's Talk Stock, where the additional resources from our podcasts are linked. Let us know if you have any burning questions or suggestions at Coog's Talk Stock at wsu.edu. 
This podcast is brought to you by Hannah Browse, Sarah Drager, Dr. Don Llewellyn, and Natasha Moffat-Hemmer, and is produced by Connors Communications at Washington State University. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.